Hi, I'm Susan Moore, Community Engagement Manager with IIBA. And I'm Scott Bennett, Manager of Business Analysis with the International Institute of Business Analysis. And this is Business Analysis Live. What's a SME? We throw that term around all the time, but let's define it for those that may not know what that is. Yeah, that was a great question. For those of us who have been doing business analysis for years, we know what that is. So a SME is a subject matter expert, an SME. And when we're talking about roles and responsibilities, you might be working with people in the business. You might have stakeholders that are a VP, um, but you need people that know the material that you're working through. So we refer to those as subject matter experts. They're experts in their field. Um, so those are people that you're going to be working with on the initiatives that you're working on. And probably the follow-up question to that is, is a SME different than a stakeholder? Uh, and the answer is maybe. <laughs> so um, many SMEs, most SMEs are probably stakeholders. They are somebody that might be directly or in, indirectly impacted by your project. So you may need to reach out to them, but not every stakeholder is a SME. Sometimes those stakeholders, um, you know, they're decision makers or they might represent um, a particular audience that's external to the organization and so you need them uh, but they may not know the subject matter um, that uh, that you're working on so yeah well hopefully that adds clarity for people you now know what a SME is <laughs> so some of our other questions that we had last time pertain to some of our uh, certifications and we've got a couple of newer certifications. Um, one that I'm really interested in uh, that you're actually studying for is the CBDA, so our data analytics. So do you wanna tell the audience, tell the audience out there, Scott, a little bit about that certification and then how you're preparing for it. Sure, yeah, you can see my office is a bit of a mess here. I've got all these cue cards to help me remember all this stuff. I'm writing my exam in a few weeks for the certification in business data analytics. It's CBDA is the acronym. Um, we're doing some internal analytics work at IIBA. So there's a few of us that are going through this. The way we're studying for it is we set up a study group and every week we would go through a certain section of the guide. And it was a really good experience because different people had different questions. And rather than just reading some material and trying to memorize it, it, it allowed us to have conversations. So things that we're gonna remember. Um, and I'm a, a visual learner, so for me, these cards up here are helping me orient everything and, and try to put it in my brain the way my brain's going to remember it. Um, but one, one epiphany I think I had this weekend was um, I looked at, you know, how we work as business analysis professionals on different areas in the business. It might be marketing or HR, and it, you have to a learning ramp when you get into one of these areas. Well, the way I look at this is basically we're talking between business and technology and this business data analytics really is almost like a different technology. Working with a data scientist or a data analyst is a different skill set on the technical side. So I've, I've switched a number of different industries over my career, but this is looking at a different subject. And I've done the same with um, cybersecurity as well. Um, understanding that area. So you learn the language of what's important to these people and how they operate and, and all types of stuff. So you can translate between the technical and the business. I, um, I've got a little bit of personal experience in that data analytics space. Uh, 
it's my husband. Um, and so, you know, one of the things that he talks about as a data engineer is that sometimes projects that don't go so well, it is, it is because they didn't do some basic business analysis, identifying what that problem is, identifying the stakeholders, understanding the data and the domain that you're working in. I mean, mm -hmm. all of those things, the core skills that you need in order uh, to, to be a good data analyst or to work in data analytics is really a business analysis foundation. Uh, you got to solve the right problem because the results of that data project that you're working on is likely decision making, it's, you know, it's planning, um, it's looking for opportunities in order to um, add products or change services. So it's, it's really, it's really important. Yeah, another thing that I've learned too over the studying is um, it's, you could get that, that question right at the start, you could get all the analytic work done right, but if you don't have the right way to communicate to the stakeholders, you're going to fail again. So if you throw them, you know, a 50-page spreadsheet, it, it's going to fall on deaf ears. So there were a few techniques that were listed, well, there's a lot of techniques listed, but a couple that I really liked was, there's one called the big idea. And that is, okay, out of all of the stuff that you went through, what's the big idea? What what are your executives interested in? Um, the other one was the three-minute story. So we can tend to get bogged down in details, um, but the three-minute story is keeping you within a box of explain this idea within three minutes. So don't go on for 10 to 15 because your executives don't have time for it and don't have the appetite for the detail. So that three-minute story I thought was a pretty cool technique. Well, and that is, and I, I think because as data analysts, we're so proud, well, as business analysts too, we're so proud of the work that we've done, how we've, you know, we've gone down that rabbit hole, we've worked in the details, but really when you're communicating to certain stakeholders and sponsors, they they really just want the big idea. Um, they're not interested in, in as, I, as I like to say, they're, they're not interested in showing your math. Um, they just really want, what, what's the insights that you gained from this so that we can take the next step? Um, and I really like that they've got some of those techniques um, that are part of the modules that you're going through. Yeah. Um, so another, um, oh, another newer uh, certification that we have is cybersecurity. It's been around for a little bit, but this month is Cybersecurity Awareness Month. Mm -hmm. and, um, and so I know, for example, that we um, were doing uh, a little bit of a, of a discount on that bundle. If you're a member, you already get um, a discount, but then you get an additional discount for this month. So you can save up to about 150 extra dollars. Um, that cybersecurity certification has been on my wish list for a little while. Um, so I've, um, you know, I've come from a purely business analysis background, but I am, especially with a lot of these hacks and things like that, that have been going on. I'm really, I've really been curious about it. Yeah. It's a fascinating space. Um, my, the previous team that I managed, one of my BAs was in the cybersecurity space. And it was interesting when you start to hear the stories about the types of hacking that goes on. Um, you know, legal firms are one of those high targets and you think, well, why a legal firm? Well, they've got a lot of information. Um, so, and, and they're smaller enterprises, right? They're not huge corporations in a lot of cases, so they could be vulnerable. Um, things as simple as in the waiting room, you could have a TV displaying some stuff. Well, that TV can actually be hacked as an access point into your systems. 
And you never think, you know, plugging a TV in oh and you want the information. Yeah, so you <laughs> learn some really fascinating stuff when you get in that space. Wow. Yeah, I would not have uh, I would not have thought about that. But, you know, they've I'm sure you've seen uh, viral videos out there, you know, where somebody hacks into somebody's whether it's a Google device or a, an Amazon device and they're talking to the family or taking control of a something like one of those uh, locks. So it can be, yeah, it can be really scary. But the other thing I thought was, gosh, that cybersecurity stuff could probably apply to real life too. Like I could probably apply some of that to just the ways in which I use my computer at home. So, um, That's right. so well, let's see. I was gonna, I'm, I'm checking over here. Let's see. So we are getting, um, we're getting some comments over here. Um, it says to what countries people are from. Yeah, let's see. If you are joining us today and you're, um, if you've got any questions or you just want to shout out and say hi, put that over in our LinkedIn chat. Let's see. I'm still going down, taking a look for some questions. Um, listen, we have a lot of people that are just really excited. <laughs> we got a lot of hellos today. Great. You know, this is... Um, this is one of the ways that we can, you know, answer uh, questions, whether you're a member or a non-member. If you're a non-member and you've got questions about what IIBA is, we'd love to hear about it. Um, you know, we'd love to hear your questions because um, there's always something new going on. So let's see. Uh, oh, we do have a question. Okay, so is there a checklist to see if your initiative fits in a cybersecurity setting? Oh, that's a good question. I'll take that one. Okay. So in the previous organization I worked in, um, I was a manager of business analysis as well. Um, I had seven team members. And one of my team members was working with the cybersecurity team. But what we discovered as this space was maturing in our organization was it wasn't just one business analysis professional that needed to know this stuff. It was all of them. Um, and so the reason this is important is if you understand the basics of cybersecurity and risks, if you're working on something you, you might think never has an impact, if you've got this on your radar as a professional, you can ask some of those important questions. So say you're working on um, uh, acquiring a new third-party service for HR, um, and it's a cloud-based service. Well, there are certain things that you want to know and screen to make sure that it's not just software as a service that you're getting, it's actually you're adopting some potential risk. Um, so it needs to be a part of, I, I think, every BA's thought process around how do I make sure that what we're doing here isn't exposing the organization? Um, so the way I would answer that is, I don't think there is a list. There might be a list of, well, if you're doing password security or um, maybe it's malware type of prevention, that might be fall squarely in there, but I think every initiative you work on, you need to have a little bit of that sense of around, am I exposing my organization to some risk? You know, that's that's really a good point. Um, you're taking me back to a, a project I worked on a while ago where we had a variety of web services that connected in with our, our uh, website. Um, and we had to create a questionnaire um, because if we needed to add on a new service, we had to make sure that we had cleared some things with the vendor and internally to make sure that we would pass any kind of an internal cybersecurity audit before they would even let that new 
web service or third party thing um, uh, onto our um, platform. And so, you know, I, so maybe that's really part of the answer, which is um, having an awareness that you probably are going to need one and then taking a look at your own environment and making it specific to the kinds of tools or products that you're working with. Mm -hmm. um, so and and so and make sure that everybody makes that a part of their requirements process is to make sure they uh they know what questions to ask. So we've got a couple of other questions on on um well one more on cybersecurity. What are the elements of cybersecurity? Okay, that that's broad. I don't have the list in my head, but I'll <laughs> give you a few examples. Um, the human element, uh, social engineering is a big risk point because we're all humans. We all make mistakes. Um, emails coming in that could be, hey, here's an invoice, please, please pay immediately. And it could be a fake invoice. It could have the right logo. It could have the right phone number on it. It could have the right name on it, but the wrong bank account. Um, a number of organizations have paid these invoices and these hackers just keep going at it because ultimately they're successful somewhere getting $20,000, $80,000. Um, so email is just a small portion of it. Um, it could be anywhere from making sure data doesn't leave your organization um, from an employee perspective. Um, it could be, as I mentioned, you're dealing with third parties and cloud services. Um, it could be how you're securing your laptops uh, of your staff so that they can't actually export things or connect devices. Um, so it, it is pretty pervasive. I don't know if there is a, an easy checklist. Um, but if you do have a chance to talk to someone in the cybersecurity space, um, I think you'd be surprised at how many different risk points there are in an organization. And a lot of it comes down to education, um, education of the business analysis community, education of your end users. Um, so, you know, we've got videos internally that we watch to make sure that we understand the various risks so that we're educated, uh, both professionally and in our personal lives. You know, hey, here's an email that came from someone how do you deal with it? Yeah. You're also reminding me that physical environment is part of that cybersecurity, making sure that your access points to critical infrastructure, servers, any of that stuff, that it's um, it's secure and uh, not able to be hacked. So yeah. we've got we've got more questions coming in. Here right. we go. So the next one, we're going to take a little bit of a turn. This question is, what's the future career path? of a business analyst, a business analysis as a role or a skill set. So where is the profession going? I think that's an interesting question. Um, and I'll, I'll add on to that, that I know in some organizations, that role of business analyst is now becoming product owner. So in those organizations that have decided that they're going to make the turn to go more agile, um, they're, I don't know, if replacing that, that job title. That's probably the way to say it. Um, but I know that's one of the changes that I'm seeing. Yeah. And I, I, I've heard people asking that question before. The one thing I think that remains constant though, is our role is communication. And regardless of whether you're called a business analyst or a product owner um, or, or other roles that are out there, the function that we provide is Typically, business analysts learn, have a lot of curiosity. We learn quickly and we communicate well. Those people that I have promoted through uh, my organizations uh, do those two things very well. So it's, if you're looking for the job titles, yes, those titles might change, but the overall need will remain. 
Um, your technical resources uh, will always have a challenge talking to the business resources, and, and that's the, the environment, the ecosystem that we play in. You know, we've got um, a really great diagram that's out on our website. It's um, oh, yeah. it's our that. business analysis. Yeah, I was just going to pull that up here. So let's see. Let me uh, let me share my screen. It's kind of it's a it's a big picture, uh, but I'll I'll plop the um, the link over. Um, so this is it. And so why is this important? Because I think with this um, this model that you see, there's there are so many ways, there are so many different job titles that have at its core business analysis skill sets, both the knowledge areas um, and the underlying competencies. As you know, Scott, as you said, communication is important, facilitation, negotiation, critical thinking, those things are always in demand in organizations. And so whether you work in business intelligence or you work over here in product management, um, and so these are technology focused or they might be business focused roles. Um, you know, these are um, these are different ways that business analysis skills are used in organizations and the different titles that we um, that we that you might see. Yeah. Yeah. I love that diagram. I think it's a, a really good visual. Um, and you said you posted a link there that people can find that diagram. Yeah, let's see. I am, uh, I just grabbed that. You know what I'm going to do? I know we've got some help yeah. on the so inside. I'm going to do that. I'll just mention um, there is a, a webinar on the 19th um, around cybersecurity. So if that's something you're interested in, um, you can go to iiba.org and check out our upcoming webinars and register for that. So if you've got lots of cybersecurity questions, jump in there. That's right. And that's a great point. Um, that's all part of Cybersecurity Awareness Month. Whoa. Um, so let's see more questions. How can BAs improve software security in building process? I'm not 100% sure I know what that question is. How can I, I'm, BAs I'm probably improve? hearing that a little bit different than you. I used to work okay. in real estate. Um, if they're talking physical buildings, um, yeah, there's a number of different things that, that you need to consider. And, you know, as business analysis professionals, we're typically dealing with software um, or it might be hardware, but physical security also has an element to this. How many people can get to a floor? How many people can get to a communications closet? Mm, um, the physical mm -hmm. piece. How are your WAPs set up in a way that they're secure? Do you have guest access on a totally separate network? Um, could be a way to set things up as well. Um, your, your hardware folks might, might not think about, you know, if you give a guest a guest access and it's on your network versus a separate distinct network, um, it's another vulnerability point. So when I heard building, I went to the yeah. corporate real estate. <laughs> <laughs> well, and if you ask that question and we didn't quite get it right, send us a clarification and we'll try to answer that question. Um, so let's see. And we're doing we're we're doing pretty good on our time today. So here is a general question, and I think a lot of folks we, we've we've heard this question quite a bit. What can I do to become a BA? Yeah, I I struggle with that a little bit. Um, I've had co-op students in my organization um, that I've coached. Um, I've had junior BAs. Um, if, if you're a university student looking to get into the space or you're maybe mid-career looking to get into the space, I think the key is to 
try and get some experience. Um, and maybe that experience comes from volunteering for a nonprofit. Um, it could, it doesn't necessarily have to be paid experience, um, but you do need some experience. And maybe that's also getting some mentoring. Um, you know, somebody that has years of experience that can sort of guide you through how they started. Um, I, I don't know if there's an easy answer. Maybe there's lots of answers. <laughs> you know, I think there's as many paths to becoming a business analysis professional as they are people. Sometimes you're already kind of doing that work, um, but you're called something else. Um, I started my career as in, in business analysis as an implementation specialist. I went from company to company helping to set up a platform um, as a service. I was doing business analysis. Um, and, you know, and so I think, I, I don't know that I've met many people that, you know, went to college to become that. Usually, um, I've, I've known other people, again, from the insurance world who were awesome um, underwriters or claims adjusters who were really good critical thinkers, could communicate and all that. And um, they were just on an IT project and, you know, we scooped them up. So you never know in your organization, you know, there's volunteering, um, but there's also volunteering in your organization for, for those kinds of projects. Because many times they're always looking for somebody who is a subject matter expert. And sometimes when you become that, you can, you can be around the folks that are doing that work. And it's a great way to get started. So. That's a good point, Susan. Um, I think when you're working within an organization, you also have a reputation where people understand and trust you. So it's probably easier to make a transition within an organization than to go to a totally new organization where you don't have a reputation yet. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So let's see. Um, we have got, in your experience, where in an org organizational structure does a BA best sit? And you and I have talked a little bit about this, too, actually. Um, so I'll let you go first. <laughs> okay. Well, I've got a bias, and I'll be right up front about that. Um, I believe business analysis belongs in the IT space. Um, now, the reason I say I've got a bias, I started my career as a Lotus Notes developer back in the 90s. So I have a technical background. Um, but, but what I found, and, and this sort of plays into the conversation of how do you become a business analyst, I have a business degree, and I was doing programming, and I realized I had good communication, and I understood business because of my, my education. So becoming a business analyst there, um, it was just sort of a, a natural fit into the space. I lost my train of thought. Well, that's okay, because I'm going to... I'm going to add some controversy. Um, I actually think business analysts should be on the business side. Um, and I've spent more of my career on the business side than I have on the IT side. Um, you know, business people, they are making money for the company. They are doing strategic planning. They are in deep in, um, in the workings of that company. Sometimes what they don't have the ability or the time to do is to be able to solve business problems. And my experience has been business analyst position on that side can help um, to get conversations started, to help them see problems. In my experience, to sometimes ask the dumb questions, that's really the simple question that just needs to be asked to reframe a problem. So um, I've always found success on that side and have really enjoyed it. Um, I like being on the IT side too, but I, I think I was 
I had more impact on the business side. One thing I think is important, though, regardless of whether it's structured on the business side or the IT side, maybe it's part of a project management office. Mm -hmm. I think there is, regardless, a need for the community to come together. So business analysis professionals typically work independently in a certain area, but bringing those people together to talk about best practices and how to improve and share knowledge, I think regardless of where you sit, that's still a persistent need. Yeah, and you've just recently finished a webinar um, on exactly that kind of topic. You talked about the difference between center of excellence and community of practice. And I know we've got some some articles and some things coming out about that. And I think that's that's a really important part of this because those groups I think can be made up of you know business analysis professionals from either side, all sides maybe, um, of the organization. Yeah. All right, let's see, do we have any more questions? Um, wow. We have lots of questions. Oh my gosh. Um, I guess we, let's just keep going. Let's just answer some more questions. How is the BA role evolving in the changing IT landscape? Is it just eliciting information and communicating? Hmm. Um, I think it's evolving in response to technology and in response to business. And let me explain what I mean by that. And then this is just my opinion. Responding to the business, and I'm going to use this word agile. It's not agile as in the methodology. The business businesses now need to react more quickly um, to stay ahead of their competitors or to keep up with competitors. And that's really critical. If we don't do that, those businesses are going to fall away. So from a business side, there's a need to move faster. On the technology side, we've got these different things evolving. So data analytics is evolving because we now have massive uh, sources of data. And how do we drive meaning out of that data to help make business decisions? Cybersecurity has come up because there are literally hackers shutting down electrical grids. Um, so it's responding to the, the evolution of ha what's happening in the technology space. Um, so I think it, it, it's, it's a natural flow responding to these various needs. How do we move faster? How do we protect ourselves? How do we get meaning where we couldn't find meaning before? Um, so I, I don't think there's an easy way to say, here's a silver bullet. This is one direction. I think it's multi-directional. And Susan, I think that diagram you showed is a good illustration of that. Yeah, and in, in all of the ways that they do it, in some of those roles, weren't necessarily just about eliciting requirements and communicating. I, I know sometimes, you know, we've all heard about that organization that had business analysts as, um, you know, uh, just people that would write things down. But really what you're starting to see is in many ways, those business analysis professionals are leading efforts, whether they're user experience or business intelligence efforts. Um, so it is really more than just taking requirements from somebody, but it is helping to change organizations. And I'm, I'm thinking about um, another webinar that we did over the summer where we had a case study on um, enterprise analysis. That's becoming a thing be because, again, organizations, they're focused on doing business but they need help moving into the, um, you know, into the next, uh, the next part of their, um, their work. 
Okay, so yeah, let's see. It'll just add on to that too. I think if you're a new to business analysis, elicitation and communication are those key skills you have. But as you become more senior, you start getting pulled into conversations by people in the organization where you're starting to shape and define scope and projects, right? Yeah. They come to you as a critical thinker, an organizer, someone that can put some critical thinking against some ideas and, and facilitate brainstorming and pull people together and, and facilitate that collaboration. It's much more than just elicitation and communication. In fact, the role that I play, um, it's it seems to be a minor portion of what I do these days, um, just being more experienced as a BA. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm hearing there's, there's uh, on on LinkedIn, there's a, a number of people talking about if the product owner role is different from the business analysis role. Um, and so I think that specialization model that we showed, it sounds like it's got a lot of people thinking about where the profession is going. And I think it's going in all directions <laughs> if, if you look at that model. Um, what technologies can can BAs learn to improve themselves? Where, boy, and is that kind of an open-ended question? Because <laughs> again, I think sometimes it could be domain-specific as well. Yeah. Yeah, that's very broad. Um, mm -hmm. I wouldn't, I'd suggest not learning Lotus Notes. <laughs> yeah, forget, forget that. <laughs> But, you know, and again, I think it is, you know, to, as we've been talking, you know, um, you, you came from an IT business analysis background. I came from a business business analysis background. I think knowing whatever the tools and technologies are that drive those particular organizations, you, um, you know, on the technology side, I think it's good to have a good working knowledge of whatever the tools are that are going to support your business. Because if you are, if you're that liaison that needs to be able to explain technology stuff to your business people, you need to be able to one, know that technology, but two, be able to, to make it make sense for your business folks. Okay. Conversely, on the business side, you need to have some some awareness of that domain. You don't have to be, you know, I worked in um, natural gas for a while. I didn't need to know how natural gas worked, but I needed to understand enough about that so that I could explain, you know, the problems um, and the, the constraints and things to our technology teams. So really, I think that's that's probably, it's, it's going to be organization specific and domain specific, I think. Yeah. Um, Here's, here's another one. I, I think it kind of fits into what you and I, this, this debate we're having. What are the differences between a business analyst and a business systems analyst? Yeah, now, I've, had, I've had job titles of both. BSA, yeah. senior BSA. I've been a business consultant, a business specialist. Um, I think it's a little bit of splitting hairs. The mm -hmm. business system analyst is likely tighter, closer to the technology than a business analyst would. Um, but I think it really depends on the organization because what I've done in one organization as a BSA was exactly the same as being a BA in another organization. So I don't, I don't think there's a cut and dried rule that every HR professional around the world knows the difference between the two. Um, it's, uh, I think generally the S in BSA is you're closer to the technology. And, and that's, yeah, that's typically what I, what I have found as well. Um, and I think that that probably speaks to um, 
you know, there's, there's probably some need to kind of standardize those titles because, you know, like I said, I started off as an implementation specialist and the next place I went, I was a business analyst and the next place I went, you know, I was something else, but it was all essentially, you know, that's why I think instead of us talking about the title or the role of business analyst, we tend to talk more about business analysis professionals or business analysis skill set. Because mm -hmm. really, I, I that's that's the most important part of what you do and you can do that in just about any kind of role you're a ba manager but you have you're you're doing business analysis um work so yeah, yeah. And, and product owners these days that you know that are working through need to use some skills from the business analysis skill set um you know you do have product stewardship that you're working through which isn't a pure business analysis skill um, but a lot of communication and understanding things and understand what's technically happening and what the need is from a consumer or the, the business that you're working in. Um, that's, that's a fundamental piece of the puzzle. If you didn't have that as a product owner, pretty sure you wouldn't be successful. <laughs> that's true. All right. So let's see. Um, all right. So here, this is kind of a long question, but it, there seems to be a lot of interest in this one. So hmm. as a BA, I'm fed up with being expected to cover systems analysis and data analysis too. Organizations are increasingly turning, maybe it's turning to the role of B or, or turning the role of BA systems analysis and data analysis into one, into one role. So sometimes it can be uh, along with a PM and a PO role, which can sometimes be seen in, in the job advertisements. Is business analysis disappearing as a separate discipline? So interesting enough, this week I watched a YouTube video. Um, it is a data analyst and he's put together this YouTube channel and he talks about um, being a data analyst and various aspects of it. And one of the videos I watched was a data analyst versus a business analyst. And he was saying, suggesting that a data analyst can do their job without a business analyst but a business analyst couldn't do their job without a data analyst. Hmm. I think, um, as I mentioned earlier, I think what we're seeing is an evolution. We've got so much data available to us now. How do you go through that and understand it? So to be really good at data analysis, you need to understand statistics. You need to understand math. So you're typically dealing with the sciences side of looking at data. As a business analysis professional, you're probably, you might have a business degree background or some, some people have MBAs. Um, there, there are two components that work together. Um, so in a small organization, you might have one person doing all this stuff. When you get into larger organizations, you actually have organizational expertise in data sciences. Um, you might have people with doctorates working in that space and your business analysts are working in a, uh, another area. but the larger the organization, the more specialized you get. Mm -hmm. So if your lens is a small organization, I can see where that might get blended, but in larger organizations, it's uh, more separate. You know, this makes me think that uh, for, for so long, when I, and gosh, I, I've been a business analyst for the better part of 20 years, and um, I, I think business analyst was a bit of a mystery. Like companies would know, well, I need one of those. Okay, you can do that job. But there was a little mystery to it, a little bit of where does this person fit? And I wonder if what we see happening is that organizations are just now catching on to, 
okay, we really need somebody that can help us to solve problems with data. I'll call them a data analyst. But really what they're talking about is now they are just, they better understand business analysis, but they are giving it a more specific name so that it can, that role can solve more specific problems in the organization. Because that's what our specialization model shows. Um, so let me just throw out a few terms here. So this is my studying for CBD. Okay. <laughs> These are models that a data analyst use. Ordinarily squared regression, um, decision tree, random forest, logic regression, KNN, BN, SVM, perceptron. This is not easy stuff to understand. Yeah. This, this is a data scientist. Oh, um, yeah. So uh, it's, it's not trivial by any means. Again, it depends on what you're dealing with. If you're dealing with, you know, uh, 10,000 rows of sales, that's one thing. If you're dealing with trillibytes of data, um, very different world. Yeah. And that's just my opinion on it. Um, so I don't, I don't attest <laughs> to be right or wrong on this. It's, it's my thought. Yeah. It's, I know that business analysis is one of those skills that has been, um, in more demand over the past, I don't know how many years. And so I know that there's been more interest in, in getting into this and I, I'm in, I am, interpreting these questions as, you know, if I make the commitment to learn business analysis skills, is it going to get me a job? And I think the answer is yes. Um, it's just that job may not always have the title of business analyst. And so it means that you need to be, you know, pretty good at reading through job descriptions and understanding what those keywords are um, that really mean we need for you to have a business analysis background. And on that note, I'll ask you another question. So as a BA manager, what are the skills and experience you would look for when hiring someone as a okay, BA? Good, good <laughs> um, fundamentally, if you can't communicate well verbally, if you can't communicate well in a written form, um, that's, that's the basis. That's the starting point. Um, what I look for beyond that is someone's ability to learn quickly. Um, the, the team members I've had over the years do that very well. They can jump into a space, particularly the intermediate senior folks. I can parachute them into a new area and they can get up and running quickly. So learning things. And that's one personality trait that I've noticed with every BA that I've managed. They're naturally curious. They love to learn. And that's actually how I got into this career because when I became a certified Lotus Notes professional, I loved my work up until that point. And then I hated my work and I couldn't figure out why. Well, it turns out I wasn't on the learning curve anymore. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. curiosity and, and learning quickly um, is another component. Um, there are some people that have put together tests. So when they're bringing in business analysis candidates, they actually run them through tests. Um, I did one for an interview and that was, okay, here's a, a case study. Here's a scenario, put together a process for this. And I was literally sat in an interview room in front of Visio and I had the diagram. Um, so those technical skills, depending on what you're looking for, um, could be an important test to prove that the person on the other side of the table knows what they're talking about. Um, so it can get into a long conversation, but for me, communication skills, fundamental, um, learning things quickly is another key asset, another skill. Yeah. And I, I think, again, that speaks to how really flexible that you have to be. I mean, this is, this is a, um, a profession where you do need to know some some t techniques and tasks and things like that.
but really your ability to be able to learn on the fly, to ask good questions, um, to be able to deal with a little bit of ambiguity, uh, because sometimes you don't know where things are going to take you, yeah. I think are all just really good foundational skill sets for anybody that wants to get into this profession. Um, and, and I'll put this out there because, and, and you can discredit because I work for IIBA, but to me, certification, if I've got two candidates, one certified, one's not, I'm going to the certified one. Um, and it's not because I work at IIBA, you can say that. Um, but the reason is, I know that that person has a minimum level of knowledge that they've been tested on, and in some cases, experience that they have proven. Um, so for me, that's a differentiator. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, so here's a question. I'm going to try to um, maybe reword this. So this may not be the the same. The question as we got it. Please explain the level of critical thinking a BA should possess. Here's before before you answer that. You know we've got um, we have a BA competency model. And so it, it deals with not only the knowledge areas, but it also deals with the underlying competencies, of which I think critical thinking is one of them. And in there, we do talk about different levels. Now, you know, critical thinking is pretty much, I think, a must. Um, you, you've got to be able to do that because, um, you know, as, as business analysts, again, we're not just walking in the door and, you know, okay, I'm going to write down what you say and I'm going to move on. There is a level of being able to take in information and ask questions and, and dig. Um, so, what, so what would you say about critical thinking? So I agree it's important. Um, level of critical thinking, that's very difficult to say what's high, what's low, what's medium. Um, certainly the ability to not just take someone's word for it, move on. Um, that would be not useful as a, a business analyst. Um, I don't know how to answer that one. Medium? Yeah. You know, and, and maybe it also depends a little bit on, on where you are. Uh, you know, if you're on the IT side versus the, the business side, you know, I worked in strategy. I worked with, um, you know, um, executive leaders. And, and so for that, you've really you don't have to outsmart them, but you do have to be able to take in a lot of information at a very high level and be able to think on your feet. And I think, you know, being an enterprise analyst or, or working in strategy, I do think you, you've got to up that communication and critical thinking game. But I think you've got to have some pretty good critical thinking skills on the technology side. It's just the, you know, what you're working with is, uh, you know, the tool may define the ways that you need to think about it. Thanks, you guys. Have a great afternoon. This is the end of our live session, but if you've got questions, you can send us an email at live at iiba.org or leave us a voice message and we'll answer your question at one of our upcoming broadcasts. Join us.